Hey bro, what's up? What's up man? How's it going? Alright. How was your weekend? It was good. I went speed dating. Yeah? How'd that go? Not so well. Oh, uh, you got rejected? Yes, I did. How many times? Five. Five times? Five times. <laughs> you know, one girl came up to me and she was like, I don't like your beard. I was like, I don't like you. And so she walked away. The second girl came up and she was like, how much do you make? I was like, that much? Wasn't enough? Wasn't enough. Walked away. Whatever. You know, the third one came up and she was like, you know, looking at me and all that. And she was like, I don't like your outfit. I was like, bye. Well, she left before she I said that. Yeah. That and sense. then just the fourth one came up and just looked at me, didn't say a word, walked away. Okay. What about the walked last away. one? Walked away. The last one came up and sat and she was like, I'm too good for you. I was like, what is this? Bye. That stinks, man. I don't know what to tell you. So I don't know, man. You know, like Jesus says, you know, everything happens for a reason, so. Yeah, I don't think Jesus ever said that. I think you're pretty much hopeless. He did it? Alright, good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome back. Welcome back to the well here. For those who had, a, I hope everyone had a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, if you were kind of here with us before Memorial Day, we had started a series called Things Jesus Never Said, and we are now in the fourth installment. And if you have missed any of those messages, you ever want to get caught up on things that Jesus didn't say, okay, we always, it's good to know what Jesus said, but also good to know what he didn't say, that you can always go to the well at stsa.com, and you can always find messages from the past. Just as a recap of the things that we've learned so far that Jesus never said, we start off this series by realizing or by discovering that even though we like to say that if we follow Jesus, he will give us the desires of my heart, and it's a very uh, inspirational statement that causes us to do all kinds of great things, and we just know if we just follow him, he'll give us the desires of our heart and make us happy. It's actually not something that he ever said. It's something that we made up. Week two, we talked about one that I guarantee that everyone has thought and said several times, which is God will never give you more than you can handle. Totally made that one up as well. And we realized that actually sometimes God intentionally gives us more than we can handle because that's the only way to get stronger. The only way that the physical trainer makes you stronger is he gives you more weights than you can lift. So God in the same way wants us stronger, gives us more than we can handle. And then two weeks ago, our last session, we talked about when I forgive, I forget. And we realized that Jesus actually never said that. And forgiving and forgetting are not the same at all. And you can actually do one without having to do the other. And just because you can't forget doesn't mean that you can't forgive. Okay, those were the messages that we talked about before. Today, we're going to talk about, in my personal opinion, for me as the one preparing, the hardest of the messages to preach. Because today's things Jesus never said is actually something that Jesus never said for sure, but I kind of believe in, but not believe in the way that you think I believe in. The thing that Jesus never said today is that everything happens for a reason. You for sure heard people say this, and I bet you you probably said it before to try to explain away something that you couldn't figure out. Everything happens for a reason usually works something like this. Your best friend, his girlfriend, dumped him. 
You don't know what to say, so you say, everything happened for a reason. You are um, on your way to the airport. You hit the red light. You missed the flight. To a trip that you didn't want to go on anyway. So you say, everything happens for a reason. You're on that new diet, and then it's pizza day. Pizza, it's an international donut day at work on Friday. And you say, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason is a spiritual equivalent of, spiritual equivalent of, oh well. It's the spiritual version of when in Rome. It's the version of basically saying, I'll give you other translations of this, other variations. God works in mysterious ways. God works in mysterious ways. Or God has a plan. Or, or we say all things that sound right. Like all that's what I'm saying is, that's why this is a hard message. Because I do believe that God has a plan. And I do believe that God works in mysterious ways. And I do believe that oftentimes things happen for reasons that we don't know. But the problem with this statement, everything happens for a reason. The people who say it when we say it have the best of intentions. Usually trying to comfort, usually trying to explain. But the problem is, is it true? True story. There was a lady one time, tragic story, was in church at a church function, an elderly lady, and as she was leaving the church function, she tripped as she was approaching the staircase, and she fell down the stairs. And she, uh, when she got to the bottom, okay, there she was obviously in a lot of pain, a lot of stuff, and she, it turned out she broke her hip, and she needed some kind of like emergency surgery or something like that. Well, it didn't go so well, and she actually died. She passed away after falling down the stairs, breaking her hip and the surgery, whatever it is. Priest then goes and visits the family, obviously, as they're in mourning, and many people are trying to comfort the, uh, the family and things like that. And the priest overhears conversations. And the conversation he hears many times, he hears people saying things like, you know, God has a plan. Saying to the husband, okay, to the, now the widower, God has a plan. You have to accept God's plan. And God knows what's best. And God knows that God takes only at our best time, God takes her. And don't worry, God will make it clear. You just have to trust, you just have to believe. And the, and the priest was, was understandably a little taken aback by this. So the priest came to church the following Sunday and he began his Sunday sermon with this sentence. God does not push old ladies down the church steps. Because all those people were saying, and it, again, an attempt to comfort, in an attempt to help, in an, help, an attempt to explain. All they were saying, in essence, is everything happens for a reason. But the implication of everything happens for a reason is that the reason is God. And God decided that it was time for this lady to go, so he pushed her down the stairs. Or God knew that was best for her. Or God knew that's best for the husband. Or God knew that's best for the children. That's the implication of Everything happens for a reason. And like I said, while it gives us comfort and it gives us like a, a little bit of an explanation, our question for today is, is it true? Does everything happen for a reason? Is the reason always God? Is there ever a chance that things happen and God is not the reason? That's what we're going to discuss here today. And I'm going to do something here today that I don't usually do and I actually don't like doing and I don't even approve of what I'm about to do. But this is my way of trying to be more hip and young and reach out to the young folks out there with your social medias and things like that. One of the things about this generation, okay, for all you old people, let me explain to you the young people today, okay? 
They don't like long stuff. Everything has to be 140 characters or less. For them to pay attention, it has to be snippets. We like sound bites. We don't like to read chapters in the Bible. Just give me things that I can update my status with. Like we just like snippets. So I'm going to give you, based on this expression, does everything happen for a reason? I'm going to give you three answers to that question, and all of them will be 140 characters or less. So you can just tweet it out right there, okay? No, it had to be long explanation, something that you can, like I said, put on a t-shirt, put on a mug, make a bracelet, whatever it may be. That's what we like. We like short, little catchy little statements. I'm going to give you three of them. And the first one I already told you. God doesn't push old ladies down the stairs. God doesn't push old ladies down the stairs. God doesn't push old ladies down the stairs. So the idea that everything that happens is caused by God and the reason is God is false. Is God a micromanager in the world that we live in? In the sense that everything that happens, God is the one pushing the buttons. Does God cause death? Does God commit murders? Does God uh, racist? Acts of racism, prejudice, cheating, divorce, adultery, lies, stealing. God is the one doing all these things? Because the ironic thing is that every one of those things that I just mentioned, God commanded us not to do them. So if God is the one doing it, why would God command us not to do it, and then he does it all? So he can have all the fun? Like God commanded us not to do injustice, so he can save all the injustice for himself? God commanded us not to cheat, so that he could do all the cheating himself? God commanded us not to lie, so he could do all the lying himself? Is God really the source and the cause and the reason behind everything that happens in this world? I say God doesn't push old ladies down the stairs. Where did this idea, let's try to understand, where did the idea that everything happens for a reason, where did that idea come from? Why do we say that so much? And why is it we are a little bit uncomfortable sitting in our seats right now as I'm saying this? Why is it you're a little uncomfortable as I'm saying that, you know what, there's things, maybe God doesn't cause them. I'll give you why. I'll tell you what, all human nature, all human beings, two things that every human being sitting right here hates these two things. Number one, we hate silence because it's awkward. And two, we hate mystery. We hate not having an explanation. We hate it when we have nothing to say and we hate it when we can't explain. So what happens is, when we're faced with a situation that is a tragic situation, like I said, somebody's uh, spouse died, somebody got cancer, somebody got laid off and they don't know what they're gonna do. When we're faced with this tragic situation, the person approaches us with it, we're left with one of two options. Either we stare at them in the face in utter silence, or we say something. And we always choose to say something because it's too awkward just to stare. And then when we say something, and we don't even know what we're going to say, but we just have to open our mouth and say something, what we do is we attack the second thing we hate. We hate the silence, so we attack it by speaking. And then we hate the mystery. We hate the unexplainable. So we have to give a reason. We have to say, oh, it's because of this. We have to give some kind of cause and effect. And I'm telling you, we all mean well. Everyone here means well. But I'm telling you, the majority of time, the reason that we give the cause and effect is not for the sake of the comfort of the other person, but for the sake of the comfort of me. It's not to explain to you why the tragedy happened in your life. It's to explain to me why it happened to you and why I'm safe from it happening to me. 
Because if I think it just randomly happened to you, I have to say, no, it happened to that person because of this, so I protect myself. I'll give you an example. Let's say, for example, a friend of yours comes to you and says, I have cancer. I have cancer. That is an instant conversation killer. You're laughing, you're joking over the water cooler, talking about the movie you saw the weekend, says, hey, I have cancer. Whatever you were about to say, you can't say. So you either stare at them in silence or you come up with something to say. And usually what we end up saying is something, like I said, to the effect of everything happens for a reason. And we say that, we hope it comforts them, but in the end, who we're really trying to comfort is ourselves. We want the explanation. So what we're doing in our head is saying, okay, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. In our head, we're saying, it's because that's a bad person and God is punishing them. It won't happen to me because I'm not bad. Or what we're saying is, is because God wanted to wake them up. And because they were cheating on their taxes and God wanted to, or it's because they don't eat healthy, I eat healthy. Or it's because they smoke, I don't smoke. Or it's because they have too much stress, I don't have any stress. We need an explanation, not for their sake, but for our own sake. Because we don't like to think that, well, this person did everything right and they ended up with this thing that I hate. Because remember back in the first one, we think that if we follow God, he'll give us the desires of our heart. So here's a person who followed God, did everything right, and got this bad. We need to explain it away. So what we usually end up doing is we just pin it on God. Yeah, 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 God knows what he's doing. And God has determined the best thing for you is this cancer. God has determined the best thing for you is your wife gets pushed down the stairs. God determined the best thing for you that you have this, uh, you get laid off or that you. Is that how God works? Is that how, like the one expression, the one image that Jesus did say and continually say to paint the image of who he is, is that he is our father in heaven. Is that how a father works? Push a child down the stairs to teach him not to leave the, 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 his shoes at the top of it? Push him down the stairs? I'll show you how a father works. Now I got two verses, I got you 100. Habakkuk 1.13 says, your eyes, meaning God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. God's eyes not only cannot do wrongdoing, he can't even look at wrongdoing. His eyes are too pure. So us blaming him for all these things in the world, his eyes are too pure to even look on it. Another one from Genesis 18.25. Abraham, who knew God pretty well, said, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you shall not the judge of all the earth do rights. Does God push old ladies down the stairs? No. Does God cause car accidents to teach a lesson? No. Does God strike down with cancer to, to, so that people repent? No. God does not do all these bad things. We cannot blame it on him. So therefore, if the source is not God, are there other potential sources of the things that happen to us in this world? And the answer is yes. And I'll give you another little tweetable right now, another little quote that was once said, by the great theologian, Bill Murray. Everything happens for a reason, but sometimes the reason is that you're stupid and make bad decisions. Very profound. Everything happens for a reason, for sure. But sometimes the reason is you're stupid and you make bad decisions. That's why all these are kind of connected, all these mis misquotes of Christ. 
Everything Happens for a Reason is the long-lost cousin of God will never give you more than you can handle. They're actually related, okay? But they just live on opposite sides. And one's on the East Coast, one's on the West Coast. God will never give you more than you can handle. Was Remember we said that sometimes God does give you more than you can handle. And God does put certain things in your life to wake you up and to strengthen your faith. God does give you certain trials. God absolutely does. But with that said, that doesn't mean that everything that comes to you is one of God's trials to make you stronger. Do you see how that works? Yes, God does try us. And yes, God does test us. And God does give us stuff. But there's other things that God doesn't give us. So I can't sit here and say nothing is from God. And I can't say everything is from God. We need to find a balance in between the two. And that's what we're talking about right here. While there are many trials that are from God, there are many trials that are not from God. So if they're not from God, where are they from? Well, I'll give you four options of where they might be from. We'll go through these quickly. One, as Bill Murray said, they're from your own choices. Our own choices. We make dumb choices all the time. We do the dumbest thing all the time and we blame it on God as if he's the one who made us do the dumb thing. Teenage girl, promiscuous, gets pregnant. Everything happens for a reason. The reason is you were promiscuous before marriage. That's why you're pregnant before marriage. Someone steals from a store, gets caught, and goes to jail. Everything happens for a reason. Yes, the reason is that you did something dumb, you stole, and that's why you're in jail. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says it a little bit more eloquently than Bill Murray. Okay. He says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He says, Take it easy. Not everything is God punishing or God teaching. Some of it is you reap what you sow. If you got no job, no potential of a job, and you go out there and buy a new car, $40,000, but you don't got no money. And then every five years, because you get bored of your current car, you spend another $40,000 on a car. You will suffer financially for the rest of your life. You will think a car payment is like a twin brother. Okay, and you think he's supposed to live with you. And you realize, you never realize that you don't have to have a car payment. That's not everything happens for a reason. That's you made a choice. If you party the night before the exam, you're probably going to fail the exam. If you sleep during Father Anthony's sermon, you'll probably be shut out of the gates of the kingdom of God. <laughs> this is just you reap what you sow, and it is irresponsible to blame God for the decisions that we make. How many of us? over the course of the next two, three months, summer, are going to do something like this. We do this all the time. Summer barbecue, and the food is out, and the ribs, and the pork chops, and the hot dogs, and the sausage. Then you come and you got the potato salad, and you got the french fries, and you fill up not as much as you can in that one plate, and you scarf it down. Then you kick back a cold one, or cold ones, okay, as many as you can get down there. And then, at the very end, or sorry, before after you made your plate, and you're about to start, you say, Please, God, bless this food and let it be for the nourishment of our souls, our bodies, and our spirits. <laughs> and then you are obese, and your kidney doesn't work, and your liver doesn't work, and your diabetes doesn't work, and your pancreas doesn't work, and your gallbladder, and all that stuff doesn't work. And someone comes and says, everything happens for a reason. Yes, sir, the reason is the plate that you made at the barbecue. That's the reason that stuff happens. And it is irresponsible for us to blame God for the decisions that we make. Our own choices lead to a lot of things. Secondly, not just our own choices, but the choices of others. We don't live in a vacuum. And I may make dumb decisions for myself, and I may make dumb decisions for you. And I may use, my decisions may hurt you, or let's say a better way, your decisions may hurt me. I'm driving down the street, drunk driver come, hit me with his car. Why, God, did you get me hit by, uh, God didn't hit me with a car. That drunk driver made a choice, drink, drive, and he hit you with a car. It's his choice, not God's choice. 
You have a friend who badmouthed you and ruined your reputation. Talk bad about you to the boss at work. It's not his. It's not your choice. It's not God's choice. It was your friend's deliberate choice that got you in that problem. How many of us are parents divorced? And to this day, we still blame God for it. As if God wanted your dad to walk out on your mom, or God wanted your mom to cheat on your dad, or God wanted your dad to have an alcohol problem, or God wanted your mom to be able to not be able to tell the truth. It's not God. God commanded us not to do any of those things. It's the choices of others. Now, the good thing about God, okay, and I'm going to get to this at the end, but I feel like I must interject this right now so I don't leave anyone in a desperate way, is that even though God doesn't cause all things, because he's our Father in heaven, he can use all things for our good. And we're going to talk about that at the end. But I just need to throw a lifeline because I see the looks on some of your faces saying, wait a minute, life is miserable. I'm going to get to that at the end. All right? I'm going to get to that, that God can, can fix anything and God can solve anything. But we have to be honest and say God doesn't cause everything. And I'll give you the easiest example. Very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4. It says, Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel and his brother and killed him. Who killed Abel? Cain did. If Adam and Eve are crying for their son who's killed, God, why did you? God, why did you? What did God do? God told Cain, don't kill. Cain said, okay, God. I said, don't kill. I said, okay, God. I said, okay, God. And then he kills him. And we blame God? Or we blame the parents? Or we blame the whatever? The majority of the evil in this world is not from God, it's from us. And I'm saying us, because I don't want to say me, but really it's me. The majority of evil in this world is not from God, it's from us. You know, maybe you've heard the statistic. Is that famine and hunger. You know who causes famine and hunger in this world? We do. You know why? Because they say that God created this world the way the world is right now. It has enough food on this planet for everyone to eat a very healthy 3,000 calories a day. 3,000 calories is more than we should. a lot of us should be eating. So why is it that people are hungry? Why, God? Everything happens for a reason? Yeah, the reason is human beings are selfish. Human beings would rather take than give. Human beings would rather store up for themselves than share with those others. And there's corruption, and there's lying, and there's whatever it may be, and that's why there's hunger. It's not everything happens for a reason. Is everything happens for a reason? Yes, but the reason here is the poor choices of others. Three, Satan. Now, I'm going to go through this one quickly, and I hesitate to even put this one up on the screen because the reason I didn't want to say Satan is because some of us who are irresponsible in the sense that we want to say everything is God's fault, well, once I tell you it's not God's fault, you say, okay, well, then it's Satan's fault. And we want to take no personal accountability in it of ourselves. That's why I hesitated to put this one up here because you can abuse this one. But the fact of the matter is that there are many things that we do. Like they say that the greatest trick the devil ever played is to convince people that he didn't exist. So we don't want to go to an extreme of saying everything that happened, I got fired because I because Satan. And I lost my job because of the devil. And I got a speeding ticket because the devil made me go. Like we don't want to go to that extreme. But we also don't want to negate his role in the world. Because we know that our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. St. Paul says in Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verse 12, this way. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Jesus said about the devil that he is the prince of this world. Because God has given the devil authority for a brief period of time, a very, 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 very brief period of time. Very, 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 very small. Very small, like a, a flash in the pan, a blink of the eye. That's all it is. Because when you look at eternity, 
and eternity, and you look at this tiny little piece in the middle called life on this earth, is very, very, very small. And in that very, 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 very small, God has allowed the devil to have some authority and to have some power. Not ultimate authority, because if he did, none of us would be here right now. But he does let him roam. He keeps him in check, keeps him on the leash, but he lets him roam. And when he roams, he seeks that he, whom he may devour and to destroy us. Because of that, we know there will always be war. Because of that, we will know there will always be evil. We know there will always be killing. Now, I'm not saying we want that and we don't work. We work against those things. Yes, we want peace and yes, we want love and we want all those things. But we know that the devil is working. The only time the devil doesn't work in your life is when? Is when he trusts you to take care of it on your own. Is when you got it covered. If the devil is leaving you alone because he's sitting back saying, you got this one, man. I trust you. You're doing a great job. You are destroying your home. You're doing a great job. You're destroying your career. Two thumbs up. You're making sure that you never have financial security for you or your kids. You're doing a great job. Thumbs up to you. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to learn from you. But we cannot ignore his role in the world. And the final. So we said our choices, choices of others around us, Satan, and then the catch-all in case it doesn't fit in any of those three buckets. Bottom line, we live in a fallen world. We don't live in heaven now. We don't live in paradise. We live in a world that's broken. So when I know that the world is broken, I'm not surprised when I see things messed up. It's broken. The world was created, and then it got broken. It's not functioning the way it's supposed to. So you know what? There will be tornadoes. There will be tsunamis. There will be earthquakes. There will be diseases that have no cause and no cure and no solution. Things like, I'm not a doctor here, so I don't know. Maybe there is cause of these things. But I see something like multiple sclerosis. I see things like that ALS disease. Things that you just see a person being eaten away. And you say, what's the cause here? And what did they do? And the answer is, they didn't do anything. That's just the fallen world that we live in. This is the world that we live in. It just eats away at us until eventually we die. But we talked about this a few weeks ago. We lowered our expectations for life in this world. Okay? We came in thinking life in this world should be this. But we lowered that expectation. We said, you know what? God's job is not to give me the desires of my heart in this world. God's job is to reward me in the next one. Okay, more than it is in this one. So we lowered our expectations of life in this world. That we know there will be disasters. And there will be stuff that happens that really there's no explanation for. Romans 8.22, St. Paul says it this way. We know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. The whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs till now. Let me tell you, one of my pet peeves, back in the year 2005, one of the great catastrophes hit our country on my birthday, actually, which is Hurricane Katrina. When Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, what did every self-righteous and holier than thou and every pulpit preached across America? Why was God, why did this hurricane hit New Orleans? Because it was God's punishment on the sinful people of New Orleans. Now, I've never been in New Orleans, but I watched their football team a few times, and they seem like they're not all bad guys. And that's what we like to do. We like to say, yes, they're evil. God is punishing them. That's, that's nonsense. Okay? Because if you believe that, well, what happened today? New Orleans is built. New Orleans is doing just fine. So God said, okay, no big deal. And God said, okay, build back, back up the city. That's, that's, that's nonsense. We don't believe that nonsense. We believe that the world is broken. And hurricanes come. And tragedies happen. And this is just the world that we live in. You see, the problem with the things that Jesus never said, especially this particular one, is that it implies... When we say everything happens for a reason, it's, again, it sounds good, but it implies that God is doing it for, to make you repent. God is doing it to punish you. God is doing it to whatever. And absolutely, God used Hurricane Katrina to help people repent. 
God used 9-11 to help people repent, but I cannot say that God caused Hurricane Katrina, or that God caused 9-11, or that God caused you to get cancer, or that God caused your son to get hit by a drunk driver. I cannot say God caused it. God caused it and God used it as two completely different things. Now, the good part. Where did this idea of everything happens for a reason come from? Who's the culprit? Like, who started this? Who's the first guy who said it? Because that guy really messed us all up. I'll tell you who said it for the first time. And he didn't actually say it, but we misinterpreted what he said. Because all of this, remember before I told you about we like sound bites, we like tweetables, we like things on shirts, on mugs, on bracelets? That's actually the root cause of all these things Jesus never said. Because we don't want to read a whole passage of the Bible. We just Give me the highlight. Give me the verse of the day. Just verse of the day, baby. And let me just tweet that out completely out of context. So I don't know nothing about anything that's happening, but just this verse just sounded so nice. And 140, okay, perfect. That's the problem. And one of those verses, the most misabused, not misabused, abused verses in all of Christianity is Romans 8, 28. You know it well. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, those were called according to his purpose. September 11, 2001, red light, okay, late to work, missed the, the plane hitting the building, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We use this, anytime something good happens to us, we use this verse, which is great. I'm not, that's great. But what happens when the light was green for the guy in front of you and he got hit by the plane? Is it the same God who stopped you, pushed him, Made it green so he'd go and get hit. Let's try to understand what this verse really means as opposed to what we think it means. Key here is it says, not all things are good, but all things work for good. And it actually doesn't even say all things work for good. It says all things work together for good. So what is the difference between all things are good versus all things work for good? Versus all things work together for good. I'll give you the example that I always give. It's like baking a cake. When you bake a cake, okay, you want to make yourself chocolate, chocolate chip cake. Chocolate on the inside, chocolate on the outside, chocolate chips on the outside of the chocolate on the inside. You want as much chocolate in that thing as possible. One time, me and the kids, we wanted to make brownies for Marianne, chocolate, chocolate chips, all this stuff. So I kept thinking, it says, you know, like one cup of chocolate chips. I'm like, why one cup? Like, who, who says like one? Like, why not two? And if you two, why not three? Like, why? Like, let's get rid of some of that nonsense ingredients like, like, like the uh, eggs. We don't need all the eggs. Like flour. Who needs the flour? More chocolate, less flour. And it says you're supposed to pour salt in when you make chocolate chip brownies. Why salt? That doesn't sound like very good. No salt. Okay. None of the oil, like none of that, just more extra on the chocolate chips. Well, basically it came out like shoe. Okay, it didn't come out very good because it's not just a matter of good ingredients. You have to sometimes put bad ingredients and the bad ingredients work together to make something good. A brownie or a cake with no eggs. Like, if, is the egg good? Like, I just crack an egg and that doesn't sound very good. If I take, like, if I wanted all the ingredients of the brownies and I take them one at a time, and one at a time. Or I put them all in and, and swish it around. Will it be good? So what you see 
is that the same way that our mothers or wives or daughters or children or brothers, sisters, or gender, whatever it may be, the same way that the bakers use bad ingredients, work them together to make something delightful for our stomachs, do you think that maybe God can take bad ingredients and work it together for good? If our moms can do it, can our God do it? Doesn't mean everything God causes. Doesn't mean everything God brings. But I'll tell you what this verse says. This says to me that no matter what happens in my life, that God has a way to make it good. That's why I put it on your hand. Another translation of this verse makes it a little bit clearer. It says, not God works all things together for good. It says, in all things, God works for the good to those who love him. In all things. In any circumstance, with any ingredients, you come into these doors here and you got bad ingredients. You got all kinds of bad, negative, painful, hurtful, abusive, whatever kinds of experiences you bring in. And none of those things are good and God didn't cause them. But when you bring them to God, he's okay, let me see what I can do. And he can make a masterpiece out of them. That's what that verse says. So our third statement that you can tweet out for today is God is not the cause of all things, but he is willing to be the solution. God is not the cause of all things. We said that other causes, ourselves, others, fallen world, Satan. But he is willing to be the solution. Why I say willing, okay, just brief on this willing, just because the promise was all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So I got to be honest, and I got to preface this by saying, if you are walking outside of God, and you're walking away from God, and you're trying to build like your own kingdom, you're trying to do like your own thing, you don't want to have nothing to do with God, then all things don't work together for good for you. Actually, all things probably working bad for you. Because if you are trying to go outside of God and build your own thing and disobey his commandments, and you don't care about his purpose for your life, you try to do your own thing, then this promise does not apply. It doesn't apply. But for those who do love God and say, yes, I'm not perfect, but I want to live a life pleasing to God, then I say, that even though he is not the cause of everything in your life, he's 100% willing to be the solution to everything in your life. And I'll give you an example that you know very well, that you use all the time. GPS, navigation system. You use it on your phone. I use it on the thing on my window, whatever. We all can't survive without our GPS. What happens when we, when we have our GPS? We type in the coordinates or the address that we're trying to go. We put it in, and then it begins to tell us, turn right here. It caused me to turn right. It says, yes, you turn right. I say, okay. And then it caused me to turn left here. Then it caused me to go forward. And then it says, turn left. And I turned right. Did it cause me to turn right? Did it cause me to turn right? No, he said, turn left. The GPS said, turn left. I didn't cause me to turn right. It was my own choice that made me turn right. Or maybe it was my friend who pulled the wheel and made me turn right. Or maybe it was a pothole in the ground that my car hit and my car flipped over to the right. Or maybe it was bad guys, Satan, who hijacked the car and took it to the right. Whatever it may be, he didn't cause me to go right. He told me left. I went right because my own choice, choice of other, because of Satan, fallen world that we live in. What does GPS do next? As you turn right here, you're further away from your destination. What does GPS do say? Ah, uh, I'm done with you. You worthless. I told you left. Sorry. What does GPS do? Rerouting. Okay, now go here. And then you went the wrong way. Rerouting. You can never get that guy to stop saying rerouting. Like you already figured out that's not the way I, I want to go this way. But he says rerouting every 10 seconds. 
Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. Well, that's God. God is always rerouting. You had a painful experience in your life. God says, okay, that wasn't part of my plan. Let's reroute this way. And then if you listen to that, you get back on. Perfect. But then you ignore that. And you went over here, rerouting. And then this thing happened, rerouting. And then someone cheated on you, rerouting. Whatever it may be. What's the only way to get that GPS to shut its mouth? Turn it off or throw it out the window. What's the only way to get to God, to get God to stop working together for good in your life? To stop loving him. It's the only way. If you want God to stop rerouting you, if you want God to stop making good out of the bad in your life, the only way is you stop loving him. But as long as you love him, he will never stop to reroute you. He will never stop. Like I'll say this another way, okay, again, it doesn't apply 100%. God may not give you lemons, but he sure knows how to make lemonade. And he'll never stop making the lemonade out of the lemons in your life. And I'm not saying he gave you the lemons. But I'm saying you bring him the nastiest lemon you put in his hand. He'll say, okay, give me a couple minutes. Not that the lemon is good. Not that the turn was good. But that God works all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. Best example I can think of. There's a guy in the Bible named Joseph in the Old Testament. From the very beginning of his life, Joseph was a special young man, very special. Joseph was the son of Jacob or Israel. And we always hear about the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph was one of those 12 tribes, the 12 children of Israel. And Joseph was a very, very special child. He's the only one actually we know anything about from the majority of us. He was very special from a young age. And God said, this boy, God gave him dreams from a young age that you, even though you're like almost the youngest, all these other brothers of yours, they're going to bow to you. You're going to be great. You're going to be something great one day. Joseph's going to be something great. Well, God had a plan for Joseph, had a route, but then what happened along the way, there came an unnecessary right turn. And that's where Joseph's own brothers decided, we hate this kid, and we're going to drag him off, beat him, throw him in a well, and leave him for dead. Did God throw Joseph in the well? How did Joseph get in the bottom of that well? Choices of others. His brothers chose it. God didn't command them, say, throw your brother in the well. They did it on their own, and they left him down there. And then one guy gets an idea. Instead of throw him in the well, let's sell him off into Egypt. So they sell him off into Egypt. Did God sell him into Egypt? Did God throw him in the well? No. His brothers did. Joseph ends up in Egypt. He ends up as a slave. But because God is with Joseph, and God loves, or Joseph loves God, God says, okay, reroute, 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 reroute. Here's how we're going to do this. And God allowed Joseph not just to be a slave, but to be the head slave and make it to the top, and they trusted him with everything. While he was the top, another bad decision from somebody else, that lady Potiphar, his boss's wife, tried to hit on him. He said, no, thank you. She threw him into prison, okay? And he ended up back in prison where he started. And say, this is the end, and this is bad. God says, bring it to me, Joseph. Your brother's doing the well, give it to me. They sold you in Egypt, give it to me. You're in prison, falsely accused, give it to me. Give it to me, Joseph, and just give me a few minutes in the kitchen, see what I can do. After a few minutes in the kitchen, what God does, he builds something great. Joseph ends up, he tells the, the Pharaoh his dream, he interprets his dream. He ends up as the big man in Pharaoh's house. And the Bible says that not only he got out of prison and became something big, he became the second man in all of Egypt. It says it this way in Genesis 41. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one? Pharaoh is the, is the king of the world right now, by the way, the most powerful man in the world. Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you. This is from the Pharaoh, the king. 
You shall be over all my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. That's not bad for a reroute. Was God's plan in the well? No. Was God's plan to beat him? No. Was God's plan to lie? No, 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 no. Did God cause it? No, no, no. Everything happens for a reason. Yes, it happens for a reason, but the reason wasn't God on this one. But can God use it? Oh, yeah. He's God. You're going to paint God into a corner? You're going to say that your circumstances is so bad that God can't bring good out of it? That you've been cheated against and hurt and lied to and abused and whatever happened to you and it was so bad and God is painting the corner saying, sorry, I can't do nothing with it. I can't make it good. You're just doomed for life. That's not the God we serve. We serve a big God. We serve a great big God. That's actually one of our core values here at SCSA is our faithful vision that we rely on a big God to do extraordinary things in our lives. We are not surprised when God does miracles. We're surprised when God doesn't do miracles. I'm not surprised when God makes your bad into good. I'm surprised when God doesn't make your bad into good. And that's the shocker for me that someone who loves God and is called according to his purpose and then they give it to God and God doesn't find a way to make it good. That's the shocker for me. Because we serve a big God. And there are no lemons he can't make lemonade with. And no ingredients he can't make brownies of the cake with. Again, only the life that applies. It only applies to the one who's living for God, okay? But there's no reroute that he can't do. And that jo Joseph said this at the very end of his life. This to me, if you had to summarize spiritual maturity in one verse, it's this verse. If you had to summarize everything happens for a reason, God never gives us more than we can handle, like that whole concept, you summarize it in this verse, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. After all the bad things that had happened to him, Joseph sees his brothers at the very end of his life, and he says this to them. As for you, you meant evil against me. See how he didn't blame God. He didn't say God did evil against me. He says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. As it is in order to bring it about as this, this day to save many people alive. Joseph got it. What Joseph said to his brothers in a nutshell, you caused it, he fixed it. You caused it, he fixed it. And that's what God wants to do in all of our lives, whatever it may be. You don't believe me, I'm telling you. I've seen it over and over and over and over too many times to be able to even tell the stories. I've seen, I've shared this one before. I have seen several people, and again, I wish this upon nobody, and I hope nobody and nobody, nobody. I've seen people end up in jail. I've seen people so bad it ends up in jail. And I tell you, i never seen one person that end up in jail that God didn't use that for their good. Yes, I'm not saying God caused it. I'm not saying God caused that person to get into drugs and get in that problem. I'm not saying God, God caused that person to drink beyond the legal limit and be uh, arrested for uh, drinking while intoxicated. I'm not saying God caused it. But what I'm saying is God used it. And God worked it together for good. And he brought the convicted their heart and made them repent while they were in there. <clears throat> There's no lemon that God can't make lemonade out of. And if you don't believe me, you need look no further. I'll give you an example that's very easy. The darkest day in the history of humanity was the day that our Lord Jesus Christ was laid in a tomb. That God himself, the immortal, was killed, was betrayed, was killed, was mocked, was jeered, and was laid to rest in a tomb. 
Who killed Jesus? Did his father kill him? God wanted that. Who killed him? The bad guys killed him. The people killed him. Who laughed at him? The bad guys did. Who did this to him? The bad guys did this stuff to him. I'm not going to say that God caused it. But did God work it for good? Could God make good even come out of this day? Absolutely. Because we know that three days later, that same tomb that he laid in dead, he walked right out of it. He moved that stone out the way, walked right out of there. So if God can take the darkest day in the history of humanity and turn good out of it and turn it for glorious, do you think he can do the same for you? For your dark day? You've been hurt. You've been cheated against. You've been lied to. You've been abused. You've been bad-mouthed. Do you think God can, you, can bring good out of that? Forget about all those things. You yourself, you did the dumb choice yourself. You did the dumb choice yourself. You're the one who hurt yourself. You're the one who hurt your family. You're the one who hurt your future. Can God bring good out of that or that's it? That's it. God is painted in a corner. God can bring good out of it. What we need to do is we need to shift our focus. Not on why God. Why God you did this. Why God you did this. Why God. Get rid of why God. Why God is a waste of time. I'm telling you, even if God told you, you wouldn't be able to understand it. Get rid of why God and start to ask what God? Now what, God? What do you want me to do now? What am I supposed to do from this? God, how are you going to make this into good? What am I supposed to be focused on? Well, am I supposed to repent? Am I supposed to uh, uh, be more generous? Am I supposed to apologize? What, God? Get rid of why, God? The bad in your life happened. Get rid of why. Ask what? Ask where is this going? Ask what am I supposed to be focused on right now? And I 100% money back guarantee you. That if you ask that, and you're sincere in your desire, that God will reveal to you that all things truly do work together for good to those who love God. And I've never seen somebody who trusted God and trusted that God would make good, and God didn't come through on his promise. You trust God, and you trust the chef or the baker. He can make good cakes out of anything, and I promise you, you will never, ever, ever say anything other than that, because that's who our God is. And whenever you forget it, you look back to Good Friday and Easter Sunday, he can do it on that day. He can do it on your day. He did it on that bad Friday. He can do it on your bad Friday, your bad Monday, your bad Tuesday, whatever it may be, because we have a great big God who loves to make all things work together for good to those who love. Let's stand together and say our prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We thank you that you don't leave us alone just to deal with our messes and our bad choices and the stupid decisions that we make. But you as a loving father promise that you will make all things work together for good to those who love you, to those who are called according to your purpose. I pray, Lord, for those who are hurting today or struggling today or suffering today or, or having a hard time understanding why. I pray that you would help us all to get rid of why and focus instead on what, on what it is you want us to, to see and what it is you want us to, to learn from this and what direction you're trying to reroute us based on, on whatever may have happened. Give us, Lord, hearts that really trust in you, that really believe that you will make good out of all things because that's how you promised, and that's your track record. is clear that that's what you do. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the prayers and the intercessions of all your saints. Lord, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.